The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Joseph Sund. Hey, Father. Good to be with you. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Dom. Uh, Folks, I want you to check out another show that's on the StarQuest Network that you're sure to enjoy called The Catholics of Oz which you can find wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Oz. And no, it's not a show about the Wizard of Oz. It is actually a show about Australia. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, before we get into our main topic, we did have some feedback. We got uh, on our last episode where we had uh, farmer Matthew Clark on to discuss the future of farming. We got a YouTube comment from Dr. Mandible who wrote... Uh, Farnsworth, a farmer, invented the television. I hope farmers have the time and inclination to be inventors again. Open source, decentralized ag tech needs to happen because relying on John Deere will be the noose that strangles them. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, uh, that's right. Um, What was Farnsworth? Farnsworth has initials, doesn't he? Um, Like PT or or JP or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I didn't look it up before, but... um, but yes, the one of the one of the inventors, you know, it's one of those PT. things. PT, okay, like PT Barnum. Um, yeah. It was one of those things where a bunch of people were working at the same time. But he was, I think, the first to it. And yeah, I mean, farmers. You know, if you listen to either of our episodes with, with Matt, farmers are constantly having to tinker and fix and make and do and be creative, and that's precisely the sort of thing that inventors do. So, uh, yeah, that's actually interesting to think about farmers, you know, in the digital age as, as inventors of that sort. Uh, I'd be curious to see how that how that goes. Um, and in fact, one of the stories we talked about was the guys with the um, the field robots, the drones, the the, the rolling drones that, that uh, shoot the weeds with lasers. Um, that guy was a farmer. So. Uh, oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, so uh, very interesting. Excellent. Well, thank you, Dr. Mandible, for your feedback. We really appreciate it. So our uh, main topic this time, we're di- this is uh, something that kind of came up in our Discord community or where uh, we were asked by one of our listeners uh, about advice for getting started with home automation. You know, we're, we've talked a lot about home automation before. In fact, uh, our a previous episode where was similarly on this topic of getting started with home automation uh, was way back in 2020 uh, in episode 72. And uh, a lot has changed since then. Some has, some things haven't changed, but a lot has changed. So it's worth revisiting. And, you know, the, the, the question that he came, came up with is um, he, you know, he said, I want to start automating things in my house, but my wife is resistant, (laughs) which is a very (laughs) familiar refrain. Um, So I want to do it in such a way that, uh, she will, you know, she won't be annoyed, but will in fact accept it. Um, and so that was, you know, interesting challenge. And so, um, 
you know, the question is, is where do you begin? And, and, you know, and, uh, Victor, uh, father, I, I, I assume both of you have some, at least some home automations in your homes, right? Because good, good geeks that you are. Some, a little too much sometimes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I started about 10 years ago uh, when we moved into the house we're living in now, and I wanted to get a smart things hub and start to have smart sensors everywhere on all the doors and smart lights. And, and over the, over the first few years we lived in this house, I did put in probably about 50 or 60 smart devices in terms of sensors, uh, switches, outlets, um, including things that I, that I made myself using, you know, uh, simple microcontrollers and stuff. And it's worked really well. I've, I've found a combination of things that, that work really well. And then, uh, it works so well, I kind of ignored where the industry was going. And, <laughs> and now I find out that there's a whole new, uh, uh, interoper, uh, you know, standard for, mm-hmm. for home automation devices. And, uh, you know, my, my Z-Wave network may be, um, obsolete, but it, it, it does work and it's, it's worked for many years. Um, so I'm happy with it. And yeah, definitely the, the whole, you know, how do you make your, your automated home, you know, spouse friendly is, is a discussion, uh, knowing that there, there will always be, you know, hiccups mm-hmm. as, as, shall we say, as you go. Yes. With any tech thing, it didn't, yeah. Long suffering spouses of tech enthusiasts is a, <laughs> should be a club. <laughs> So uh, the the big the the big question then is where do you begin? And uh, as I was thinking about this, I think the, the the first question is which ecosystem? Because there are basically three big ecosystems now. There were more, as you mentioned, Victor. There was Smart Things was was one, but basically, and and they were, and you still can find other smaller ones. But if you want the three big ones, it's HomeKit, Amazon, and Google. Those are your big three. Uh, you know, questions, um, you know, that works with when you look for a product, it works with works with that. Um, and a lot of products will work with all three. They'll say that, you know, Hey, it works with, you know, Amazon HomeKit and, and Google. Um, but sometimes you have to make sure you get the one, the, the particular product that they have one that works with this and another one works with that. And you have to kind of pay attention to that. Um, although as you mentioned, there's a new interoperable standard called matter, um, and matter is a, it's sort of a big t- topic and maybe I don't want to get into, it's more of a little more advanced topic. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of matter, but suffice it to say that matter is a new standard that a lot of these manufacturers have got together on where, uh, a, it makes it easier for one device to work across many, but also makes setting up the devices easier so that you can set them up in any of the, you know, Google app, Amazon, HomeKit app, or in the manufacturer's app, and it just works. Uh, and it, it's it's supposed to be a lot easier. It It's still new. There's still a few bumps on the road, but um, I don't have any Matter-enabled devices yet. Uh, the, I've kind of slowed down on my acquisition of smart home things uh, myself, um, although I'm starting to get the itch to, to start to do some <laughs> more things. Um, it's very dangerous. But uh, but, you know, so what do you, you what do you guys have? You know, what standards have you worked with? Which of the of the do you, do you, are you in one of the big three ecosystems now, Victor? Um, I'm still using. So I use a combination of smart things uh, for my Z-Wave and which is the older wireless standard devices. Um, I also use a a custom, you know, there's a 
it's actually pretty easy to get into now called Home Assistant, where mm. you run your own uh, server. So you're not trading information. But the really cool thing is with both SmartThings and Home Assistant is that they work and they integrate seamlessly with Amazon, uh, Google. I'm not sure about HomeKit. So they do. from Oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah. yeah. So from my voice assistant, I'm not saying the name right now, it'll, you know, I can control devices that are paired with my home assistant hub or my smart things hub. Um, and another uh, kind of company that I like is TP link. They make routers and, mm-hmm. and stuff. They have a, a home automation, um, you know, wing or brand called Casa, um, K A S A. And what I like about their stuff is it's Wi-Fi based, so it connects to your your router. But it's also um, they're very inexpensive as well, so it's around five dollars for a, a pretty solid smart plug, you know, that has mm-hmm. um, pretty robust electronics inside. And um, I feel comfortable, you know, plugging those things into into my walls and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, and those those work out of the box with um, you know Amazon. Uh, certainly at least. So if I were getting started and I wanted, and I have done this for, for my, uh, for my mom in her house, you know, just get started with a four pack of the, you know, Casa smart plugs and plug mm-hmm. some lamps into them. Um, and then uh, mm-hmm. see, how, see how you use them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get a little more into that in a sec too, but uh, I, I just want to close the loop on the, uh, the, hu- the, the hub or yep. ecosystem thing, because uh, I just want to say like, if you are a Mac person and you own home pods, you're already or an Apple TV. You've got a home hub right there. If you've got Echo devices, you know that's a natural begin. If you've already, you know, if you've if you've got a Google Home, you know those sorts of things. I, I want to give you tell you a little anecdote by the way about something that happened with my HomePod last night. I was watching uh, videos. I have a I have a weird affinity for car crash compilation videos. I don't know why. You know, dash cam videos of people crashing their cars at intersections. <laughs> It's it's a thing. I don't know. Everyone has their own little weird niche of, the, of videos they watch. Anyway, I was watching one, and I had the sound on, and you know this this uh, woman gets crashed into, and as soon as it stops, she says, "I'm not going to say it now." She says out loud, "Hey, S lady, call nine one one," and I'm like, "Oh shoot!" And suddenly my HomePods. Do you want me to call nine one one for you? I'm like, no, please stop, <laughs> don't. Like, oh my gosh, I was like, uh, that's all I need is for the cops to show up at my house at eleven o'clock at night, like, and trying to explain to them that I was watching a video in you know, call in my HomePod called. So anyway, just that's just a little anecdote about HomePods. I wonder how many nine one one operators have this come up of mm-hmm. um, nine one one calls being made by. Siri or being made by the a lady or their those assistants um, who are making them accidentally. I'm sure it's not negligible. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's there's always been, you know, butt dials and, you know, uh, accidental dials. But, yeah, I can't I can imagine that there's more. More coming from the smart devices that are sometimes not so smart. Yeah, I think just a PSA here. If you do accidentally call 911, please stay on the phone. Yes. Don't just hang up. Yes. Because they will come. Yeah. <laughs> they will come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my perspective is it's less important what ecosystem you have up front. Yeah. If you do just get some devices, they'll connect that are Wi-Fi. They'll connect to your router. Everything connects to Amazon or Google or HomeKit mm-hmm. these days. So 
whatever you're comfortable using, you can keep using it. And that's a that's a really good point. So, so um, the next point I want to make was starting small, like start with simple. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you can start with outlets, uh, the things that just be a plug into an outlet and you plug something into them. You can also start with bulbs. Um, I started early on with Philips Hue bulbs. They're the big name. They're the big gorilla. They're also the most expensive. But they have been most most of the time until very recently, they required a hub. So like an extra little box that connects to your network. And then so they have to connect to the hub and then they connect that to the network and the Internet. And and that there are there's good and bad. If 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 they're all Wi-Fi enabled, then it means that they're all set. You know, each uh, light bulb is separate, a separate device on your network. And in the past, that could be a problem, but with modern Wi-Fi routers, it's not as much of a problem. Uh, so, but but whatever you do, if you don't get a hub system, make sure they're not Bluetooth. Make sure they are Wi-Fi. Uh, B- Bluetooth-enabled bulbs especially. <sighs> they, yeah, as you, as you hear, they, they're experienced. They, they, they fall off the connection. They don't respond immediately. There's nothing worse than your 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 spouse walking into the room and hitting the button to turn on the light and having to wait 10, 15 seconds, even, even five seconds is too long compared to flipping a switch. So uh, you want something that's responsive and Wi-Fi is a lot better. Yes. So uh, Victor, you mentioned the TP-Link Casa outlets. I like the Miros outlets and, and what they are, they're just little rectangles, rectangular shaped. And the way that they get them shaped is you can put two in an outlet and they stack on each other and then you plug stuff into those. So if you have like a lamp that you want to like start with a lamp and, you know, and then you could get a remote control switch and you don't have to get necessarily get the, um, the switch of the same brand. You just need to make sure that they're compatible. Um, and then uh, you get a, and then you put the switch somewhere where it's easily accessible. Um, so grow a little at a, and then grow a little at a time. One of the things I would suggest is um, uh, uh, don't switch everything all at once. Start with one room and just, you know, what, a couple of lamps in that room, a couple of ceiling lights. You know, if you have uh, ceiling can lights or something along those lines, start small, grow gradually. It's more cost effective that way, too. They're great for like Christmas trees and other seasonal decor as well. Um, yes. That's a good way to get started. Just have a smart plug that you use for your Christmas tree and every year you bring it out and plug it in and yes. um, you can turn it on and off with your voice. Um, yeah. Another thing of advice is um, go with reputable names. Some of the ones we're suggesting other things. If you go online and you go onto your Timu app or your AliExpress and you just buy the random cheap um, plugs, your support for them probably won't exist after a while. Um, and then also we're talking about plugging 120 volt things into something. 15 amps. Yeah. 15 amps. 15 yeah. amps. <laughs> yeah. you, you do want to be careful about that. Um, and you also want to be careful about um, what the draw is of what you plug into those things. Um at best, they you get no support. At worst, they spy on you or they set your house on fire. So, yeah, don't buy name brand, buy things that have uh, a lot of positive reviews, independent reviews, not just 
the Amazon reviews. Yeah. It's because, not worth set, saving five, six bucks to buy the cheap yeah. ones. And, yeah. and most of the, uh, the Wi-Fi enabled devices, the things that don't require hubs at this point, um, will ask you to install a dedicated app. And, you know, TP-Link, I, I use their, their routers and I have in the past, so I don't have a problem with their app. I know it's, you know, whatever spying it's doing, it's probably... <laughs> you know, benign, but when they, when they say, okay, now to use this light bulb, go into the Google app store, type in wonderful light app, you know, <laughs> and, and click on the fourth result. You're like, okay, this seems a little sketchy here. Yeah. If it asks you, you to download say, your address yeah. book, that's probably <laughs> yeah. not the app yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. You must enable unknown sources for install before <laughs> yeah. installing this app. So two other name brands I want to throw out for outlets that are pretty good are SwitchBot and Eve. Uh, I know those both work with HomeKit. I'm not certain about their support for other ecosystems, but they're also starting to come out with Matter-enabled devices, so it shouldn't matter uh, soon. Matter, get it. Um, they, but the SwitchBot and Eve, one thing I like about those, I have a SwitchBot outlet that monitors energy usage, and I use that um, on some devices where I want to I want to I want to know when something is running. It's plugged in, but it's not running like a washer or a fan. So when it's running and drawing more power over a certain threshold, then I want other things to turn off or on or alert me or that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, so you, that's one great way to use a, an outlet like that. Um, yeah. Well, one other outlet. Um, Amazon has their smart plugs that are just there. Mm -hmm once and so if you want it to be easy and you're in that e ecosystem where you just power up the smart plug and your device blinks at you and tells you that it found something um those ones um i think they've run about 20 bucks a plug so they're mm -hmm. a little higher on the scale um when it comes to the plugs but they um but also if you wait to a prime day sale or a um Black Friday or something, usually you can pick them up for five, six bucks. Yeah. And the Miros ones are pretty inexpensive. I like that's one of those reasons I like those is they're really inexpensive. So we've been talked a bit about, you know, making it nice for your non-techie family. Um, and one of the things I would say is make sure that there are always non-app non-smart assistant ways to control the devices. You don't want to have to have your spouse have to open her phone or talk to the Echo or the HomePod every time they want to turn a light on or off. Uh, you need to have a, a switch that isn't just turning off the analog switch on the wall and thus ruining all your automations and all that smart, smart homey stuff. So you need to like, usually I would suggest getting a physical remote or switch that you can mount on the wall near the, the switch outlet or um, put on a, on a end table or that sort of thing. So you like place controls for lights near their wall counterparts where people expect them. Or what's great is you can put them where you wish there were an outlet. I mean, a wall <laughs> switch. And they're like uh, there. I've been in houses where like the, the switch for the light is on the other side of the room from the door that you enter. Usually old houses, you know, where they, they used to be pre-electric. Um, so you could put a switch near the door in that case. So that sort of thing. There is a more expensive route that, you know, you don't have to switch light bulbs and all this sort of stuff there. There you can replace the wall switches with smart in wall switches. So you're, you're replacing the switch itself with something like the Lutron Cassetta. Now, 
this is a much more expensive route. Those yes. go for around <laughs> 50 bucks each. So imagine how much it would cost to do your entire house. Most people do that. Will, like I said, do a room at a time and over time eventually place. Yeah. The benefit there is, is light bulbs burn out, even ex- the expensive uh, or inexpensive smart bulbs, uh, whereas the wall switch will last and last and last. So um, it's something to consider. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I have set up in my rectory. Um, I didn't set it up. My pastor was the one who um, bought into that system. I probably would have been too cheap to buy into that system myself. <laughs> um, I have that paired together with, um, as Victor was talking about, home assistant. Um, so the Lutron dot stuff doesn't have quite the automation things that I would like. Um, and so I kind of have things tied together and hodgepodge together with that. Um, so yeah. a little more complicated there, but I, I have a mixture of Z wave, which I said is, you know, is the older technology, but then the Casa makes their, their Wi-Fi wall switches. And you can sometimes get those as cheap as $10 for a switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, so I have a number of those and where those are really good are for um, kind of overhead, you know, light fixtures with multiple bulbs in them. So we have like a, a kitchen light fixture that has like six or eight bulbs in it. Um, so just having that in the the wall switch so you can turn that on and more importantly, turn it off when you're not in the room. Um, but also uh, outdoor lights like porch lights, you know, garage, uh, mm-hmm. you know, external garage lights, external back porch lights, having those on a, you know, on a, on the switch that's actually inside the house closer to the Wi-Fi hub. Um, is a lot more reliable than trying to make a connection to the bulb, which is, you know, outside and far away yeah. uh, every time. And and if you do, you know, if you are smart about how you source them, you can get them for, for $10 to a switch. Right. Usually. And someone may say like, well, if I'm just if I'm just going to use the wall switch, why bother smartening it up? Because of the automation capabilities, the idea yeah. that you can lay down in bed and at night and go, oh, you know, I left the light on in the laundry room and you have to, now I have to go all the way down the you know, stairs or you just say, hey, you know, a lady or hey, yes, lady, turn off the the laundry room or yeah. you know, nighttime or, you know, I have or, a, a scene or yeah. routine for my office where I say uh, office empty and it turns off certain equipment, different things and sets it for the night. But the real appeal of home automation comes in the automation part. So right. if you find yourself in situations asking your home assistant to turn on and off lights, ask yourself, can I automate this routine? Yep. I, I'm asking them to turn off the, the kitchen lights because I'm not in there. Well, can I get a motion sensor? And if I'm not in the kitchen for 20 minutes, the lights will go off. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm not anywhere downstairs, the lights will turn off. And, you know, or, or if it's after 10 o'clock and there's no motion. So you can create these really elaborate if then statements um to to automate the lights and i think that's the real appeal of home automation is is not to be able to turn on a light with your voice but to have the home intelligently know when you're going to want lights or when you don't want lights and to mm-hmm. to do that and you, and you can save energy i mean i don't know if you'll save enough energy to offset the cost of all these devices and and your time but you really i mean you really can save energy in it and and you know for someone like me who spends or, or spend a large chunk of my day just running through the house turning off lights it's uh it's yeah it's nice to not have to do. and i have um you know in addition i have vent fans that are just usb you know uh powered pc fans that i have plugged into you know smart plugs and i have that connected via automation to my furnace so when my furnace kicks on the home automation centers oh we're, we're in heat mode the vent fans will turn on and help blow the uh 
blow the air into the house or if the air conditioner mm. turns on and they'll turn off, you know, 15 minutes after my furnace turns off and the hot air is no longer in the ducts, they'll turn off. Um, so there's a lot that once you start getting into it and start thinking of what are my daily annoyances, you know, what, what can I automate? That's really the, the, the power of home automation there. Yeah. One of the things that I do um, with the Lutron switches that we have is um, we have them on our external driveway lights and our um, deck lights and all of that. And so um, it can, it's automated with the dusk time um, based on the internet on the current dusk time. And so I don't have to keep switching for daylight savings time yeah. and for the changing of the sun and everything mm-hmm. that I have it set that 40, 40 minutes before dusk, our lights come on. Right. And so no matter what time dusk is, I set that up two years ago and it's still the way it should be. Yep. I have I have automations like at uh, at a certain time of the night, it automatically makes sure that I have a a automated I have a home automation door lock and make sure the doors are locked uh, and it turns off certain lights and, you know, that sort of thing. And what. one of the tips this uh, the 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 listener who was asking about this was saying you know they, he got started and he's like you know in in the home kit in the home app with the automation I can turn a light on but it only will let me keep it on for up to four hours as a timer in the app and I can't keep it on for longer you know you know to tell it to turn off over a longer period and I'm like oh yeah I never used that timer I just set up a second automation to turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, so there's, there's ways to, 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 to get around these sorts of things. One thing I want to, one sort of analog thing I want to suggest is um, if you aren't taking the wall switches out and you're just using a different type, type of remote switch, like a wireless uh, light switch or, or of that sort, get the switch covers that go over the, uh, the, the physical switches. Now, the way that they work is, is you have to consciously go in and kind of maneuver your finger in there and to lower to, to turn. So you can still turn it on or off physically, but it'll save yourself a lot of aggravation and, and help your family learn not to hit the switch. It's, it's an, it's an automatic behavior that will have to be unlearned for a while, but you know, you, you go in, you flip a switch into, into a room. So this will help, Keep it because what happens is if they flip the switch, then none of the automations are going to work. There's no power getting to the to the bulb or whatever it is uh, to, to to power it. So it's it you know it's off the network. So yeah, I should add one thing here. If you are replacing switches, obviously make sure that you're you know competent and feel confident in your electrical ability to do so. But you also need a white neutral wire, uh, you know, in your house. And mm-hmm. if you have a, especially an older mm-hmm. house, you might not have the yeah. the right kind of wiring to support this. So that's yeah. always good to ask an electrician or, or a buddy who, who thinks they're an electrician to, to check that <laughs> out for you. Just, just to open up some of the possibilities with yeah. automations, um, I'll just give an example of what I have set up for my dad um, at home. So my my dad um, has, my parents have that struggle that one of the, as retired um, couple, one of them wakes up a lot earlier than the other. Um, that, that's a real life struggle for people. Um, and he has a um, command to the Echo device that tells her, I'm up early. Um, and when he tells the Amazon Echo, I'm up early, 
It goes through the whole routine of where the lights should be set, turning on the TV, setting it to the channel. He usually turns it on. And most importantly, putting the TV at the correct volume that it should be at. Um, and so it goes through all of those things. Um, importantly, that it turns on the correct lights to lower fall risk and all of those things. Um, and so just a really helpful thing um, that what the, all of that's done inside the Amazon Echo app. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't use the right name of the app because I don't want to set mine off, but <laughs> right. inside that app, it, um, it all can be done inside of there and just works really beautifully. So the, the other thing we forgot to mention is you can get TVs. Um, I'm not too hot about having my TV hooked up to the internet, but yeah. if you want the benefit, you can get it. You can get your fire TVs, your Roku TVs, those that can tie in well with those home automations as well. Yeah. I, I have a, a nighttime automation that sets all of my home pods to z like zero volume and then it, a, a morning automation that returns them to the normal volume just in case something, cause it happens every once in a while. Some, they, they start playing a, a song and, <laughs> like, for, for no reason. Like I, like, like some, something triggered it uh, and uh, woke me up one night and uh, my wife was not happy. Uh, so, uh, I have this automation now that sets them to zero when they go to bed, which because there's no need for them to be uh, allowed. Uh, so that, that's been handy. So I want to say was like where you could grow from there. Uh, you could add, as Victor mentioned, sensors, motion detectors, uh, either indoors or outdoors. Uh, I have a couple motion detectors. Um, I have, uh, you know, in some like in our laundry room, I have one because that's what it, that's why I mentioned it's always the place where the light comes on. Someone turns a light on and then walks out and doesn't turn it off. It's like, yeah. ah! um, I'm tempted to put one in the bathroom because that's another <laughs> issue, <laughs> but um, water leak sensors. I'm big on water leak sensors ever since I had that massive house leak a few years ago. Uh, I now have um, water leak sensors all around my house. <laughs> uh, you can even do, you build your own, like a, your own sort of makeshift, home alarm system with door yep. and window contact sensors that are smart home enabled and they connect to the whole system. I, I get, I've got a bunch through Acara, which is another uh, uh, company that's making a lot of these inexpensive ones. Uh, and you can get uh, smart doorbells. I think everyone knows about the ring doorbells and the Google's got one. And, you know, there's a bunch of those out there um, and cameras. I'm not big on indoor cameras. I actually have a couple that I only set up when I'm going to be away. I don't like having them uh, connected to camera, internet connected cameras on when we're home and walking around. Um, so, but I do set them up when we're going to be away so I can keep an eye on the house. Um, but I, uh, but I have, I do have outdoor cameras that are on all the time. Yeah. But that's, you know, some areas where you could grow. You know, the camera uh, camera recommendation I have that I've been using a lot of them with um, TP-Link has a, I think it's pronounced Tapo or Tapo series. Um, they're about $19 a camera. Um, my great thing about these is that they are, I'm going to get really nerdy here, they're OMVIF compatible, which means that I can tie them into my um current security systems that are a little more high-techy um, for some portable cameras where 
that make it inexpensive and we don't have to pay a thousand dollars to install another camera um but these ones um you can put an sd card in them so like the office building i'm in right now um we have one that's out a window into the parking lot um that's just able to give us that um motion recording and let us know that someone's in the parking lot um and it's that simple um and a $19 plus the SD card investment, which is yeah. cheap. <laughs> I should also mention that if you have a home security system through something, you know, like uh, one of the big names in home security, they may already have a smart home hub um, built into whatever sort of panel they give you. Because, you know, mm-hmm. if it comes with sensors and cameras, you do have the option of adding additional sensors mm-hmm. and and light switches. So that's something yeah. to investigate as, as well. Um, they're usually way more expensive than, than sourcing them yourself, but for, you know, smoke detectors, that sort of thing, because it can be very difficult to find if, if you don't want to spend 150 or $300 on a smoke detector, that's only going to last, you know, 10 years to find, um, you know, smart home enabled smoke detectors and stuff that tie into your system and can wake you up, turn on the lights to show you the exit or you when you're not home that you have smoke and stuff. So mm-hmm. that sort of thing. My um on my parents' system that I have everything automated on, um, their system has alarm.com as the hub, which a lot of the um a lot of alarm systems have that through that. And there's a lot of good integration um in with those of um things you can tie those to. Um not just not just arming and disarming the system with your voice, but doing a few other things. So so uh, to sort of wrap up our conversation this time, uh, I do want to recommend that uh, there's lots of great YouTube channels of people showing you how to get started. And so you get the visuals of that. Uh, one I want to recommend is uh, Shane Watley. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, he he focuses uh, mainly on um, HomeKit enabled smart home stuff. So if you if you are interested in the uh, Apple ecosystem, especially um, he's been recently doing a whole bunch with CarPlay, which I, I don't have a CarPlay enabled car and I really want one, but, uh, but, but he, he actually, you know, reviews a lot of the different products and has a lot of practical advice. He did a, like a makeover for a nursery recently for a friend, uh, you know, smart enabling, a, like a, a nursery um, and recently did one for his grandfather, like uh, smart enabled his home. Uh, so he very practical uh, sort of stuff from from his channel. So I'd, I'd recommend that one. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's it for our getting started with home automation. I mean, it's you can tell by how we talk about it. Like we kept kind of edging beyond the beginner level to the intermediate level because it's 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 easy to kind of get started and then to start to think of ways that you can improve it. And, uh, you know, the, the universe of autom- home automation is, is large, uh, and there's a lot you could do. So, um, I'm sure if you have questions, you have other, you know, uh, so you want some suggestions in specific areas, feel free to let us know, contact us technology at sqpn.com or, uh, leave a comment on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you find us and we'll, uh, or join our discord and join the conversation there. Uh, we'll be sure to uh, try to do our best to, to answer whatever questions we can. All right. Before we move on, I want to uh, take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Carrie B, James I, Adam S, Mike M, and Kelly P. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give 
make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So uh, let's talk about some headlines. Our first headline uh, is interesting uh, The from thegamer.com. Tetris has finally been beaten after 34 years. Um, so what does it mean to beat Tetris? There, There's a... The the original Nintendo Tetris system, uh, it it doesn't like it doesn't actually stop give, feeding you. There's no like you've won the game sort of screen. It's basically when you get to a high enough level where the things are coming so fast that the game eventually crashes. So it's a they call it a kill screen. And so uh, this kid, uh, what's his name, um, Blue Shooty. Uh, I think whatever his, his real name is, um, who is I think he's like thirteen or fourteen. Thirteen, yeah, yeah. So he's got the the uh, reflexes of a thirteen year old. Has uh, finally well, plus beaten plus it. all the kids are on Adderall these days. <laughs> it makes it very easy to beat video games. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I mean, it's it. The thing with the Tetris is that with each successive level, the blocks fall faster. I mean, I'm sure everyone knows the Tetris is um and and it at in the past it was believed that the highest level was level 29 which is where the that's the fastest level they're falling as fast as they can there but he got it up to level 146 i think it was which is where it ended up uh crashing um and there's like they talked about some of the techniques of like you know vibrating your thumbs and that sort of thing um so uh what do you guys think? Have you have you considered <laughs> playing Tetris at that level? Have you ever reached the level where where it would fall that fast? I I'm not good at Tetris. My my son, my kids are. They're all excellent at Tetris, and I think it is does have something to do with you know being a kid and their reflexes and and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's a young person's game. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I got out of that uh, when it was clear that I wasn't gonna you know be a world champion. You know, the past um, month or so has been a humbling for experience for me of playing old Atari games on the um, little Atari system that I got around Christmas time. Um, and those older games are a lot harder than the current games um, because they weren't so focused on graphics and all of that and story and, <laughs> and story yeah. they were just focused on making a good game um and so yeah uh, i did not remember that space invaders was as difficult as it is sometimes <laughs> and that um yeah that it's easy to get killed um <laughs> <laughs> I and feel, so it, it's a yeah. It's a little humbling to try to do those games after years of play of getting these cakewalk games. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny to play some of the old arcade games on like a console or a PC now, because I feel like the controls of the old cabinet games was more conducive to play of those particular games. Like I think a centipede and that ball and the ball had weight and momentum and I like it was, but it was huge. It was like a candle pin bowling ball, you know, it was like the, it was, or a bocce ball, yeah. you know, it was, it was had some heft to it and the buttons, you could mash those buttons all day and those things would last forever. They had to, cause you had 13 year old kids smashing the heck out of them eight hours a day. Um, 
And I just don't feel like you can do that with any of the controllers or stuff. Like I, I just like if I ever play centipede, I lo- used to love centipede in the you know in the arcade. And if I ever play centipede on a console or on the PC, it just isn't the same. It, I can't. I, it doesn't. I can't do it. You know. Tom, I think you're just blaming the controller <laughs> for the old age that brings the lack of skills go down. I, I think you get if you bring a, a, console, a cabinet arcade game here, yeah. I'll show you some things about Centipede, that's for sure. I say that with full confidence knowing that's never going to happen, so I can, I can boast as much as I can. Yeah, my, my home arcade cabinet, which is running a Raspberry Pi, actually does have a trackball, a pretty nice. decent-sized one, and so that is... That is fun to play, but there are, but there are some games you just can't play anymore. There was a, a Bally Midway game called Zwackery where you played a wizard and it had a rotary controller to control, you know, his arm for casting spells. It had a joystick that had a thumb button and a, and a control button on it. And the, the, you know, the rotary controller, it was an encoder. You could push it down and it was just a really crazy control scheme that you just cannot emulate. Mm, Yeah. It is sad to think. Yeah. we've lost so many of these classics um, that just could not, can't be replicated. Can't be, you know, played, you know, I, I'm glad we've got the ones we do have, but um, there's uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. I hope, I hope we can keep some of these things alive in various ways going forward. Uh, so our next headline is a little bit different. Uh, this is from fortune magazine. It says Starbucks is accused of rigging payments in their app for nearly $900 million gain over five years, uh, according to a consumer watchdog group. And so the crux of this is um, Starbucks has their app. People pay through the app. I do the same thing with Dunkin' Donuts. And you have to reload the the amounts on the app rather than, as opposed to just paying directly through your payment system. It, it, there's a reason they do it this way. Let's put it this way. Um, and so you you reload it in $5 increments. And this watch consumer watchdog group basically says, the way it's set up is the people always have to carry a, at least a small balance and can never use up all that money. And that, and when you add it all up over the entire uh, Starbucks app ecosystem, it's it amounts to basically a float of nine, essentially a float of $900 million that $900 million over five years that Starbucks is use is holding on to that they can put in their bank and, uh, uh, getting interest on, which is at $900 million is not as substantial. Uh, what do you think? This is um, the office space being all over again. Yeah. It's the, the where, where I have the fraction <laughs> of the penny go into a account set aside. I mean, that's basically what they've done, um, and, except they've done it in a legal way. <laughs> well, I mean, this is... I mean, who watches the watchdogs here? I don't know if they're setting up for a class action lawsuit or or what will that will benefit them. But yeah, I mean, come on, people. I mean, you, you know how gift cards work, right? If you want to use up the balance, you make the purchase. If it's over, you pay the rest out of, you know, cash or your debit card or whatever. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. I mean, the very first comment on the story version of the story here is like, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Um, I mean, People are doing this because I guess they like the convenience and with that convenience, you know, comes a little, you know, personal responsibility, I guess. Well, with the, great power comes well, great responsibility. But the, that money is still your money. It's just in a currency that you can't spend. Otherwise, you have to spend it at Starbucks. But if, yeah. you're, if you're a Starbucks customer, you're going to you're just going to keep spending it there. But you're also right, Victor. You, you that it's a, that's an important point. 
you can spend that balance by going in and buy, say you have a $2 left on it and you, and you want to use it up, go buy a $4 coffee, which is fairly easy at Starbucks, and yeah. use your $2 and pay $2 in cash. Now you're all cleared up. I mean, yeah. it's a tempest in a teapot, uh, to coin a phrase, uh, from my yeah. perspective. You're saying this in a world right now that I actually have students ask the lunch lady if they can Venmo for milk. So <laughs> just just well, to be yeah. clear, the or society we live in. Not cash. Pay with a debit card. Pay with a credit card. <laughs> pay with your Apple Pay. Pay, but you can you can pay uh, other than with the app. Use up that balance and then pay the yeah. remainder with another form of. Currency. I mean, and let's be clear here. When you prepay on something like this, you're giving an interest-free loan to Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You're loaning right. the money that you may collect in the form of coffee someday. You may not, but they're not paying interest on the money you've loaned them. So don't don't give Starbucks interest-free loans. Right. Just instead of loading money on your coffee, you know, fix app, just pay with your Apple Pay or Google Pay or your, or your debit card or credit card or whatever it is. Instead, because like like Victor says, you're giving them a loan of your money and there it is big business. As we see there, it, it all adds up. And that's why gift. that's why they're always pushing gift cards. Do you know how many gift cards never get cash? It's a whole nother. I think we actually talked about that once. There's a there's a huge number of gift cards and the dollar amount of gift cards. They have to, in some states they don't gift cards don't ever expire. But if they never get spent, they still have that money in the bank earning interest. So, yeah, if you do want to give money away um, electronically, <laughs> you should visit sqpn dot com slash give. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> how you should. We will gladly take your money and it won't be alone. It will go to a good cause to uh, support our nonprofit mission. Uh, very good. Uh that seems like a good uh, time to switch to our third headline. Uh, do you remember back uh, a little about a, over a month ago where the that Alaska Airlines flight had the part of the you know the the door plug pop off and nobody got sucked out, just some phones. Um, thank God. Uh, but so someone actually found one of the like someone's iPhone that had fallen out and uh, found it on the side of the road and it was still running. And it was still they, they and the crazy thing is it was unlocked in <laughs> there. So yeah, how'd that happen? Either the owner didn't have a passcode on it. Maybe, I don't know, but, but could you imagine like being the guy on the plane, your phone gets sucked out and you're like, well, now my phone's gone. And then getting a call or an email or something from someone, Hey, find your phone. <laughs> I, I can't imagine how weird that would be. That's. <laughs> I'm wondering if this is a good Apple commercial or not, because it landed unlocked. Maybe they just squirvy over that little um, detail. It's, it's but not, the fact that it survived the 16,000 foot drop. That's not as hard to the, believe, but yeah. It not, it's this, not this very is prime. <laughs> this is prime advertising yeah. stuff. I mean, it's kind of like chucking a piece of cardboard out of an airplane. I mean, it's a little bit heavier, but given how, you know, the surface area of phones are so big nowadays, I mean, the terminal velocity, it's going to reach it pretty quick. I'm not a physicist. I don't know how, you know, momentum and gravity and air resistance all work. But, you know, and if it lands on wet ground, you know, it's it's going to be a pretty soft landing. If it, They found it under a bush, I think, too. So maybe yeah, it, it, fell down it landed in a really brushy area if from the look, pictures. If you look at the pictures, yeah, it probably landed in the in the bushes. If it landed 
like say ten feet to the right, say from the point of view of the camera, yeah, onto that t- uh, that street, yeah, it would have shattered into a million pieces. I mean, that's just yeah, yeah that it, it wouldn't have survived that. I just think it's amazing they found it. Like it just like it just happened to you know to be found. It was just kind of wild. I did see a video online uh, around the same time of someone who was in a small plane. Um, I don't, I think they were skydiving maybe, but they dropped their phone and you see the phone falling, falling, falling and starts spinning. And it gets to that point of spinning where it kind of stabilizes. It's going so fast. And then it stops with the camera up. And then you see a pig come over and bite it, starts trying to eat it because pigs will eat anything. <laughs> Apparently the phone survived. They got the phone back because we have that video to, as proof of it, unless the the pig saved the video yeah. <laughs> while it was in process. <laughs> the article says on this plain one that they, it looks like they were able to use the Apple find my iPhone thing and they found it. <laughs> that is wild. If, <laughs> if my phone got sucked out of a plane, I'd try it. I would, yeah, I'd yeah. Get, oh yeah, definitely. Mine. Definitely. So, but thank God no one was hurt. That that's the most important thing. Um all right. So uh those are our headlines. Let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Victor, you're up next. Yeah, so um our uh one of our, our youngest son had a birthday recently and he is really into Ghostbusters. I know we talked about Ghostbusters uh afterlife in one of the upcoming secrets of movies and tv mm-hmm. but we're always on the lookout for cool uh ghostbusters toys i had uh the toys myself when i was a kid until i i, I gave them all away to charity at some point which is a uh a, a decision <laughs> i regret often but they're reissuing a lot of them but it, what's really interesting is um so uh you know having made you know prop prop toys uh and added electronics to them uh, for kids, Halloween costumes uh, uh, for Ghostbusters and spent, you know, many hours doing that. Um, Hasbro's actually come out with a new version of the the proton blaster or neutrona wand, if you want to be um, technically correct there in, in anticipation of the new movie. And it's it's thirty dollars. It actually they've actually painted it black. So it looks more like a movie prop. Previous versions were blue. But the electronics inside this thing are are truly impressive. No, no screens. It's all LEDs and sound effects but the way uh, kids can interact with it by you know extending parts of it um you know there's motion controls inside there's different ghosts that you can trap by pushing you know and the different buttons oh, on so it cool. yeah and so for, for <laughs> yeah and it uses sound effects from the from the movies and from the 2009 ghostbusters video game um uh, and, and like I said, if it, it's really interactive, there's different ghosts that you can attempt to hunt down and, and, and trap. And so for, for $30, it's, it, um, if you want to channel your, your inner ghostbuster, uh, without, uh, you know, spending a fortune on a more accurate, uh, prop, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's cool. I like it. Uh, yeah. Having just the, you and I, uh, yeah. talked with, uh, Rob Leonardi about yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, it made me a little nostalgic. So uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe one of my kids will get one of these for a birthday <laughs> <laughs> so I can steal it. So yeah. uh, <laughs> move it, excellent, excellent pick. Uh, moving on, Father Joseph, what's your pick this week? My pick um, with iOS 17, I believe they added this feature to the health app. And I think in the realm of mental health awareness and things, it's a, excellent thing that apple's done um i don't know if there's something similar on the android android ecosphere but um it's the mental health assessment which is inside um, the iphone health app 
Um, the quickest way that I found to get to it is just to um, to search for mental health inside. Just go to the browse and search and search for mental health inside the iPhone um, health app. We'll put in the show notes the link to the whole um, full details of how to do that. Um, but what it does um, is that it uses um, kind of has you go through a survey and it's using the um, PHQ-9, which is the Patient Health Questionnaire 9 for the mental health things, and the um, GAD-7, which is a Generalized Anxiety Disorder 7 questionnaire. The, both of those are um, clinical questionnaire things. Um, and it's using it to measure levels of mental health. Um, and so it gives people a rating of their risk level, um, low risk, medium, high risk, um, and then it also provides them with the information and the numbers that they need um, and um, different opportunities to be able to address those mental health. Um, and so it does both a um, anxiety and depression score. Um, and um, I think it's something in a really positive step um, in the realm of mental health. Yes. Don't self-diagnose, folks. Uh, use this as a as a means of starting a conversation with your doctor. Yep. And, and the app, the app goes through that um, exactly sure. <laughs> um, and tells you that um, if and gives you those warning signs of when you need to contact a doctor and um, a lot of that self-awareness things. Um, I've pointed this out to high schoolers. Um, if it, if there's a tool on an app to do something, it's a lot easier in, mm -hmm. in mind for them to do it. And so I think this is a really positive. Some people don't want to talk to someone else, like another person, if they, they feel there's a, there's a stigma still around mental health. Uh, so this could be a way for someone to at least take that first step. And uh, I applaud that. I, I, you know, Take care of your health, folks, mental and physical. Thank you, Father. That's a good reminder. Um, so my pick this week is a website called, well, it's a, it's a, a part, an app on a website, the website's portfolio pals.net and the app on the site is called SumaScript. So one of the things AI, these AI, um, large language models are really good at is summarizing things. They are good. You, you give them a bunch of information and they'll they'll summarize it in a cogent manner. And it's really good for that. The problem is, is that ChatGPT in particular has a limit to the to the size of the amount of text you can give it. Um, and it, there's some technical like 40,000 segments, which is not exactly words and whatever. But um, so there is a there is a limit. And if you if you know how to do some prompt engineering, you could probably chain parts of a document together to to make it actually uh, fit and, and do it. But this takes care of that for you. So what you do with SumaScript is you can either get a text file or a PDF or just copy and paste up to 200,000 characters. And then you click convert and it will create a summary, either a small, medium or large summary. It even has a comedy mode, which is kind of funny. It, 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 it thinks it's a comedian sometimes. Um, and it will summarize. It's not perfect. Um, so what, how do I use this? I use this for, um, podcasts. So when I'm, when I'm editing a podcast, I need to create a description, uh, and I need to create like social media posts. And sometimes I, you know, I do so many of these and sometimes like, I need something that feels a little 
punchy or, you know, I need, I, I, I get a rut, you know, I want something. And so I'll, uh, what I do with these is I paste it in, I get the summary and I look at the summary and I say, and sometimes I'll even take, it, it usually gives me a summary of like four or five, like get the large one. It's like four or five paragraphs, six paragraphs. I'll take that, put that in chat GBT cause that'll fit and tell chat GBT to summarize that. And, uh, and I get a nice little paragraph and then I'll take that and I'll write the actual description and, you know, social media posts from that. It, it, it's okay. It needs a lot. It's not perfect. You can't just take it and post it somewhere. It's not going to look right. It's not going to be right. But um, it's sometimes it's actually pretty funny the what it's how it summarizes some things. Um, I, I I probably have some stories for you, Victor, of some of your podcasts. Um, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm putting a, a Stargate episode transcripts in it now. I'm turning on comedy mode. And, and and the next episode of Stargate, uh, Secrets of Stargate, is a very uh, somber episode, and and the way it's summarizing it in comedy mode is is quite. Uh, <laughs> is it Chimera or <laughs> or heroes? Yeah. Oh, heroes. Yes. Uh, yeah. That that's pretty funny. Um. But yeah. but if you have like large documents, even like yeah, book PDFs, magazine articles that you want to get a, just a summary of. This is a nice way to do it. It at least gives you some place to start and it's free for most uses. I mean, Hey, I use this every day. The daily cap is 200,000 characters. That's, that's the, the free version. Um, that's about 60 pages. Right. That, in thank life. You. Yep. Um, if you pay nine bucks a month, you can, there's no daily limit, but there's a monthly cap of 10 million uh, characters. Oh, wow. uh, and that's for nine, for nine bucks. So, uh, you know, it's it's like I can imagine in academic area uh, pursuits um, in even just like in corporate, like legal or corporate things. You see, if you need to quickly summarize a bunch of texts, that's a bunch of data. This would be really useful for that sort of thing. So Suma script and I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes for it. Um, it's a, I find it to be indispensable for my work. All right, so that's it for us this time. We would love to get your feedback on anything we discussed this time, which you can send by visiting the show at sqpn.com slash technology or by going to the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or on X where we're at sqpn, or on Instagram where we're at StarQuest Network. You can send an email to technology at sqpn.com. Visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And you can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC243. Uh, be sure to follow The Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tune in your favorite podcast app or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash starquestmedia, where you should hit the bell to get notifications. And until next time... Victor Lambs, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. Father Joseph Sun, thank you as well. Until next time. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. <laughs>